Hi, everybody. This is Armand DeMel with Linda Vanella and Julian Joyello here with the Positive Mind, WBAI 99.5 FM on your dial, bringing you ideas, concepts, and guests to help you lead a more positively-minded life. Confusions. Confusions of the heart. I remember a while back, oh, 20 years ago, I read a letter workshop called Confusions of the Heart, and that was cute because it had such a cute name. Confusions of the heart mean emotions, feelings. What are your feelings, and how do you tell your feelings? Uh, how do you, Can you tell one from the other? How do you identify them? This seems to be a constant question, especially about the difference between male and female. How do you experience emotions, identifying emotions? Should you follow your feelings? Now, that's a question that very often is uh, asked. A man falls in love with uh, a man, goes through midlife crisis. He goes through midlife crisis and he meets somebody 20 years his junior. And he says to her or him, uh, I, I'm, I'm in love with you, therefore I'll leave my wife and leave my children and I'm going to follow my feelings. Okay, a woman, same thing on the other side, meets this older man who suddenly turns his all attention. And her heart tells her, well, you've got a husband and a baby, but leave them and go follow him. Follow your feelings. Is that what your feelings are? Is there a difference between feelings of the heart and feelings of uh, the gonads? Are they different feelings or are they the same feeling? I mean, I could tell you how many times I've seen men believe that they were in love when they found the perfect sexual partner. And they find the sexual partner and they see they have this terrific response to the sexual partner and they just feel they're in love. They're ready to get married. That's it. So how do you identify what your feelings are? And what should you do regarding your feelings? Should you follow your feelings? The answer is no. No, do not follow your feelings. But learn to identify your feelings as they happen. Learn to be able to identify them, to see what they are, to understand them. All feelings are reactions. And it's hard to know to what you're reacting. So you can't say just because you have a feeling, you can't say, oh, I'm having a reaction, what am I reacting to? Usually something not conscious triggers a feeling reaction. But when I'm talking about feelings, first let's look at the feelings that I want you to identify. Now here's, here's a, a category, I've done this before and I want you to write these down. These are five simple words. And if you take these five words and ask yourself these all the time, you'll find yourself getting a little clearer with what you feel, when you feel it. The words are sad. Now, I'm going to give you five words, but I'm going to tell you the following. There is no such thing as a pure feeling. Very often people go to their shrinks and they go to their shrinks and shrink says, what are you feeling? And they said, I was, I was, I was feeling uh, mad. And the shrink gives you their approval or doesn't give you their approval according to what the shrink wants you to feel or be reporting. You know, the Fed, they say, well, what's underneath the mad? Oh, sad. 
All right, well, what's underneath the sad? Oh, scared, you know, and then you get the approval and pay your money and go home. No, it doesn't work like that. I believe that all feelings are a combination of feelings. So you could be feeling sad, mad, glad, bad, and scared all at the same time. This is a simplification, but it's worth it. Write these words down. Sad, mad, glad, bad, and scared. Sad. You know what it is to feel sad, right? Sad is always a sense that something is lost. And you can feel it. It goes through your bones, sad. Everything drops away. You have tears in your eyes. You don't feel like you have any power, sad. Mad. There are many different forms of mad. You could be angry for any number of times, but anything could be mad. We're going to get back to these, but it's mostly anger. Glad. A good feeling. When you feel good about in any positive way, glad. Bad, which is when you're putting yourself down and you feel dejected. And scared is the other one. So at any given moment, if I would ask you right now, if you were listening, how much of you can you identify feeling sad? I got you, Julian, right here. Hey, of the sad, mad, glad, bad, scared, and I'm not going to ask you to give details, what percentage of you would you say is sad right now? 30. 30% sad. What part of you is mad? Percentage-wise. Five or ten, maybe. Five or ten. Low. Okay. How about glad? Thirty. Thirty. Another thirty. Uh-huh. Yeah. And how about bad? Ten. Pretty low. And scared? Whatever's left there. <laughs> but I'm, I, af- I'm afraid I can't remember. <laughs> Twenty. Twenty percent. Okay. So look at what you're saying. You're saying you could be sad and glad in equal amounts at Mm -hmm. a given time, right? Mm -hmm. Definitely. Whereas if somebody would ask you, hey, you look sad, you would focus on the 30% sad. Oh, that's true, yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. uh, uh, You're happy, and then you would focus on that. And if somebody asks you to focus on one or the other, you would focus on that as your primary feeling. Right, you find it in yourself because it's all there. And it's the primary feeling you'd focus on, but they'd miss out on the fact that I see you feeling all these other ways. I know Julian by now, and I know I can see if you say it. Oh, yeah, I can see that, I can see that, I can see that. Now, it's much better that you tell me, because I wouldn't have seen or necessarily even looked for, but now that I hear it, Hmm. I could be sensitive to all of it. That gives me an opportunity to see you and know you better. See, that gives me a chance to stop and slow down and say, okay, Let's keep in mind, this is what my buddy's got, you know? Yeah. This is the way he is. Linda, how many different ways, when people feel mad, for example, remember we were looking up that index of angry feelings? Mm-hmm. What are the different ways that people talk about uh, mad feelings? Well, <clears throat> we can find being aggressive, being annoyed, well, you know what's even better than that? Let's do being scared. Mm-hmm. Fear. How many different forms does fear take? Well, we have grief. We have 
feeling abused, feeling abandoned. Okay, so there's, there's the questions. Mm -hmm. That's how they report them. Fear. Huh. Mm -hmm. um, anything that has an ED ending is not a feeling. See, see, so you say feeling abused. Abused is not a feeling. Mm -hmm. Well, we have fear under, we have anxiety, we have feeling anxious, we have feeling apprehensive, we have feeling being cautious and feeling defensive. So all of those that you might feel at any given moment are kind of indicative of a fear. Mm -hmm that you might have. And so fear can take many forms. And according to this listing, it talks about dread. It could talk about embarrassed. But you know, here again comes that ED ending. People like to report feelings and they talk about them with an ED ending. I feel something. Embarrassed. Now that means that I have projected into my feeling an outside source that made me feel this way. See, like I feel angered means that somebody made me angry. Does it also mean like the, like would that mean that they, they're trying to put that behind them or something like in the past? That's right. So that's another way of doing it, of putting it in the past. Uh -huh. I feel threatened means somebody is threatening me, but I feel threat or I feel terrified is different. Or terrified is somebody is terrifying me. I feel terror is more of it, is more of the feeling. So th what we're going to look for is we're going to look for in all feelings to identify the feeling itself without an ED ending. So that's the beginning. And the next is to separate the difference between thoughts and feelings. Yes, Armand, I was thinking, you know, oftentimes you can feel the confusion and you often hear, what about the notion of, I have a feeling that. Okay, that's great. Great. The word that, when it appears, takes it out of a feeling into an incident. You see, I have a feeling that usually means I am thinking. So here's where we run into trouble. How do we know what a feeling is from what a thought is? And what's the difference between a thought and a feeling? It's getting confusing, right? A thought is something you think. A feeling is something you feel. How can you be that simple? A feeling always has a body component to it. There's always a sensation to it. It doesn't make it valid. There's always a sensation. Now, what are the feelings again? What are the feelings that people could look at? They could either feel sad, mad, glad, bad, or scared. Julian reports feeling 30% sad today a small percentage mad. And he feels equally glad and he feels bad a little bit and he feels scared also. You could feel all of those. In any human, I don't know if it's possible to be 100% anything. But if a person were 100% feeling bad, that would mean they're practically ready to go to a hospital. They're so depressed. If a person feels so sad, let's say you lose something. Let's say your dog dies and you feel overwhelming sadness. Overwhelming sadness. It would be like a 90% sadness. 
If you feel mad and it becomes overwhelming anger and aggression and rage, then you would be in trouble. Because there's a balance to all of this. Sad, mad, glad, bad, scared. There are different ways of saying fear, and Linda went over some of them. Fear manifests in so many ways, you know, and it's sometimes just this restlessness that you feel inside, and you feel jumpy, or you feel vulnerable, and you feel tense and threatened. Now, anger, on the other hand, feeling mad, that comes in a lot of simple forms that people don't like to admit. For some reason, people don't like to say, I am angry. What they say instead is, I'm uh, annoyed. Now, it's as if saying, I'm annoyed, reduces it to something that's acceptable. Okay. I feel um, argumentative, belligerent, caustic, harsh, impatient. Now, impatience is a very good form of anger because people don't notice it. But what happens is if you're in a meeting and the meeting is boring and you're sitting around and you find yourself jumping all over the place, that impatience is a reflection of your getting angry. What are you getting angry about? We don't know, but we know that you have this feeling. Now, this brings me to what causes it, the idea of what causes a feeling. It's very hard to understand this, but I'm going to try to get it to you so that you can. There is a little part of the brain called the amygdala. This little part of the brain, the amygdala, is the seat of all anxiety. Anxiety, once it starts, once you get nervous, the brain says, uh, I've got to do something with this energy. The energy that's up there, we have to do something with it. The first thought is, if I am nervous... There must be an enemy. There must be danger. And the first thing it does is look for danger. So the first thing that a brain does when a person feels nervous is it looks for where is the threat. The initial response is always fear. The second response is I have to be afraid of something and it could be I perceive myself having lost something. Sadness becomes available. All of these emotions become available because they all tend to water down the anxiety if you let yourself feel them. For example, if you get angry. If you get angry, you could reduce the feeling of anxiety because now you have a target. If you get sad, you could reduce the feeling of anxiety because now you could weep and you feel a sense of loss. If you get scared, believe it or not, just by shivering, just by being scared, you reduce the amount of anxiety. If you feel depressed, just think about the word depressed, that's for feeling bad, you depress the feeling. Or even let's go to glad, glad could be manic, just for feeling happy, just for feeling jovial, you also reduce the anxiety. So in effect, almost all feelings when they become profound, grow from a sense of anxiety. And the anxiety, now you say, okay, so what's making you nervous? All right, so now we have to figure out what, if anything, is making you nervous, or was it that cup of coffee you drank? And is it at all necessary? 
So, Linda, let me ask you something. You you are a uh, you're a yoga master, and and if if a person goes into a yoga class feeling a lot of anxiety, right? Yes. How do you what do you do with it? I think the way that you're describing it, it's um, it's looked upon as an energy, and therefore that energy is utilized in a way that will benefit the body and the mind in a yoga class in, in philosophy so that we use the energy to basically position ourselves, breathe into ourselves, and breathe into different parts of our body and our mind so that we could create a space to allow that energy to be allowed out. So it's an expression of anger or expression of emotion in that energy pile, utilized and then expressed out. You see it as an energy and then you somehow through one of the postures of yoga allow that to manifest i mean if what if you're feeling nervous if you're feeling nervous do you get shaky when you're doing downward dog what happens no you allow the energy to restore your body and then you devote that energy out so that you create a positive you create almost you take the sadness and you create a gladness you create the energy and you trans you transform it into an energy that will be of benefit to the environment rather than a deterrent. I still don't understand. You know, it's something that I know you do, and it's an experience. I mean, does, do you actually instruct people or do people instruct people now take this energy and improve the environment? Well, I like that when Julian came in, he said visceral when we talked about feelings. And I, th- I thought, well, that's an interesting concept because it's a feeling and it's an experiential. So I think when you're saying, even when you speak to someone, I think it's something that you have to experience when you perspire, when you feel those uh, parts of the energy inside of you and in your postures and you hold them, um, I think that that you can understand the energy is transformed into something then, and then you devote that practice outside of yourself. So you're allowing that feeling to come through you. Is right there now. something, Linda, that somebody could do right now, like even an isometric thing that they could do sitting down with their hands that would be some kind of yoga isometric focus of a uh, a feeling? Is there a thing you could do? Could you describe such a thing? Certainly. What certainly, would it be? Yeah. Go ahead. A simple raising of your arms, if you just were to raise them up alongside of your body on top, and you can stretch up. You can feel... Oh, wait, wait, wait. First, let's start it. You would stretch your arms. Your First, right you're your extending. Left. Linda's Extend. extending her arms right and left. Yes. And as your fingers are upward far, or downward, as far as you can do it. Let me do it. Too. Hold on. As, Hold on. i got to get it. Right. As far right. as you can stretch. Right. Julian's doing it, too. Right. Yes. All right. Now, now, hands up or down? Hands up. Hands up. Hands up. So you're going to be doing it. Hands up. You're under arrest. (laughs) (laughs) You're going to express those open palms up above your head, high up, and then put them close close together, okay, in a prayer-like posture. Hold them. So you can feel the energy alongside of your body. And bring those hands down to your chest so that your thumbs are resting on your chest. You mean in a prayer-like prayer way, bring, your, exactly. bring your hands together and bring your hands against your chest. Yes, okay. and so that your fingers are pressed up against your heart. And your heart? Now, wait a minute. My fingers are pressed against each your other. Thumbs, your thumbs are pressed up against your heart as, as your palms are, are facing together. 
So therefore you can feel, hopefully with your eyes closed, that whole stretch of energy that you have now explored in, in your body, that you can feel the breath, the blood circulating, and the kind of rush of an energy that hopefully is, a, is an emotional feeling. So I have a question. So then if we're saying that these feelings are physical, right? So sad, mad, these are all physical based on hormones and whatever experience. If you're doing something physical like yoga, is it, are we saying that this works because it overcomes these other feelings that are also physical? Yeah, it looks like the it physical, dissipates them in some right. form or other. It dissipates them. Now, it doesn't mean that we don't have emotional reaction because I want to know about that original anxiety that happened. Mm -hmm. We could, you know, for some neurotic reason or other, repression of anger or something like that, we could be creating this constant anxious state. Right. So it isn't that the feelings are meaningless, but it doesn't have the feelings or have, have identifiable meanings. I mean, if you're angry and you go to somebody and you say, why are you angry? They could be saying, because I'm nervous. That would be the most important thing they could be saying to me. But almost anyone you ask, if you say, what are you angry about? They're going to give you a story. And the story doesn't really mean doesn't. anything. Mm -hmm. And the stories that people tell each other have very, very little meaning. We're going to hear as well from our audience at 212-957-2729 today. 212-957-2729. If you have questions about feelings, specifically and about your feelings... I do want to separate the two things. There are thoughts and there are feelings. One thing you think, another thing you feel. And I would like to uh, make sure as much as possible we could separate the two. Linda, you had a question. Yes, I do, Armand. Do, um, as you're speaking, I'm thinking, do we learn to attach the stories to the feelings? Same way as we do, good. Same way as we do when we get nervous. When you have nervous, the first thought you do when you feel nervous is you say, there must be a danger, where is the danger? So all I have to do is feel anxious, and if I feel anxious, I immediately look for danger. Now I'm either going to be scared, mad, glad, any number of things to try to move away from that feeling. But keep in mind, drugs do the same thing. That drugs will do the very, very same thing. That's why people take uh, Librium, and that's why people take Xanax. You know, they do it because of that very same reason. They are trying to calm down that center. Let's take a call from Rick. Hi, Rick. You're on the air. This is Armand DeMille. Hi, Armand. How are you doing? Good. Nice to hear from you. Uh, yeah, this is a great, great uh, thing for me because I deal with a lot of emotional stuff, and I'm trying to say, are these my feelings or my thoughts? It deals a lot with my kids and my resentment towards them because I had a very difficult life. And I, I worked my whole life, everything I, you know, I purchased, I schooling, so on and so forth. They have it so easy that I have a resentment towards them. Yeah, so in other words, you're angry at your kids because they're not manifesting this gratitude. Not absolutely. There's no manifestation. It's like they, they're, uh, it's, they're, they're justified to have all, all this and that. And I, so somehow, confusing. somehow, you as a child, you as, a, as an adult, endowed your children with this sense of, uh, 
of they have a right to have whatever they have. Well, prosperity, because I'm very prosperous now. Okay, and, uh, now the place is what you're doing is a very interesting thing, is you feel this resentment focused on the children when there's an, an ideal place to focus your resentment. On me? No. No? Oh, why should you be mad at yourself? You're such a nice guy. <laughs> Rick, Thanks. I mean, there's a little Rick inside that we want to beat him up. <laughs> but let's look at the original people who deprived Rick. Yeah, well, the original people, because my my parents were, were divorced and, you know, things like that, bad economics, living in poverty. But I was happy then. I, I just, I didn't realize that I was so, you know, down and out. Yeah, well, you obviously real now realize now that you were down and out as a kid. Yeah, well, I was with therapy. <laughs> yeah, so so what you've done is you brought up a lot of feelings. And the feelings that you have, and I've seen this happen frequently, focused on your children and your resentment towards your children are really manifestations of your uncovering the feeling of deprivation that you got from your childhood towards your parents. Yes. Now, And you are talking your way out of it. You know, you're already saying, uh, I'm going to talk myself out of these feelings because I have no right to get angry at them because they were poor, they didn't have anything. But, you know, they didn't take care of you, Rick. You deserved better. Yeah. I don't I care how that. poor they were. They could have deserved better. They could have taken care of you a little better. And that's where it really belongs. So let your kids off the hook. <laughs> Thank you, Armand. Thank you. Sure. Bye. Bye. Very often we do that. Sometimes we transfer a feeling from one place to another, and it becomes really easy. Sometimes we transfer it to the government. You know, sometimes we'll find a, find a, a, a government or an ideology or something like that, and we'll hate, or we, that's what creates racism. Racism is invariably, invariably people hating somebody they're afraid of, you know, and they manifest it by hating somebody else who they're not afraid of. 212-957-2729, another call, That's speedy, unless this is Laura, then we'll take hey, Laura. Hey, Armin, it's Laura from Ireland, how are you? From Ireland, Laura, welcome in yeah. from Ireland, how are you? I'm really good, I'm really good, Armin. Where's so your grandmother? You. Every time I, start, I hear your voice, um, I just feel like, like there's hope. Uh, the world is okay, and I'm okay, just by the sound of your voice. How wonderful. Is Grandma cooking? Uh, she is. She's just cooked. She just had dinner. Yeah, she has her, Armand. And what did she cook today? <laughs> um, she cooked, like, some meat and, of course, potatoes. Meat and, and potatoes, yeah. Oh, uh, Laura, well, how long are you going to be there in Ireland? When are you coming our way? Uh, I can't wait to go your, your way. Hopefully this year sometime I hope to go across the water and, and go visit New York. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and when you when you feel really bad there, Laura, and you don't hear my voice, and you feel alone, mm -hmm. you know, you feel a little lost. Sometimes you feel really teary, don't you? Yeah, I, I do. Um, I do feel really teary. Uh, teary, yeah, sometimes. Um, so I just put on you. You were kind of like my coping mechanism. Um, yeah. I just put on one of your podcasts, and I sit down, and I listen, and then I just feel okay. You know, Laura, when you come to New York, you're coming right to this studio. Oh, my God, I would love to. That would be like a dream come true. <laughs> well, we have you, me, Linda, Julian. We'll all embrace you. We'll give you the biggest hug in the world. <laughs> Thanks, Armand. Can I ask you a question? Sure. Um, you know the way you said that, that it's not a good idea to follow your feelings. Right. Um, 
and it's um, it's kind of like you're trying to achieve a balance. So, bef- like in the past, I've tended to kind of intellectualize, um, say, my feelings. Right. That's a, so, that's avoidance of them, right? Yeah. So I'm just trying to figure out what's the balance. How do you achieve the balance? Right, and it's a good, it's a good question. The question is neither to follow them nor to uh, to let them dominate you, nor to intellectualize them. It's to recognize them. Like, do you realize how angry you are? Yeah, I, only recently um, I've realized that. Yeah, right. I yeah. have a lot, a lot of anger. <laughs> yeah, and it doesn't make you have a lot of anger. You just have anger. It's just yeah. part of your mix. Yeah. You're a nice, beautiful person, and you're also angry. And you're also sure. sad. Yeah. And you're also bad <laughs> and glad and scared. Yeah, very true. And I think about twenty percent of, of each of them at this moment in time. A perfect twenty. How wonderful! How wonderful! Well, listen, Laura, we are here, and we will be welcoming you with open arms when you come across the water. Cool. Thanks very much. Say hello to, to Grandma again. for me, would you? I will say hello to Julian and Linda for me as well. They're right here. All right. Hello. Hello. Yeah. Hi, Laura. Hey, how are you? <laughs> I'm fine. Hey. Thanks for calling. Bye-bye. Cool. Okay. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. We're going to take a short break, and when we come back, a little music, and we'll continue. Amanda Mill here with you with the positive mind. 212-327-9527-2729. So feelings, you know, now, now there are a lot of different words that are used for feelings. And Linda, you just asked about intuition. Yes, Armand, I was curious as you were speaking to Laura, where does intuition come in? Well, it's an interesting thing. I mean, intuition meaning what? Like, you know, you have a sense about something? Yeah, a sense a sense that comes from somewhere and we don't know where that comes from. Or do we? Or do we is not, because I'm thinking about some people's intuition. It's a funny, it's, a, it's an interesting thing. Some people have paranoid intuitions all the time. They always think that there is something that's doomed is going to happen. I say it all comes from the same place. I say it all comes from the same place, and there's a. Uh, it all starts off with some kind of a nervousness, because the people who are quiet, 
I mean, let me think about, about a Buddhist. Let me think about somebody who meditates all the time. How many feelings do they have? You know, if you could get your mind so quiet, how many emotions do you think you run through? And you think about emotion, the motion, you know, of it that goes in. I think you have less and less and less over time. Does that make you less rich? Well, in many ways it does. You don't get, you don't get touched by the, by the rainbow. You don't get touched by a flower as much. You don't get touched by things like that. But on the inside, you're living a kind of a bliss. I'm not sure which way is a better way, but I do know that most humans are dominated by their feelings. And by the time they get to my door, their feelings are out of whack, and they've got to resort them and put them back to where they belong. And mainly, they've got to feel safe again. Let's take another call. John, you're on the air. This is Armand DeMille. Hi, Armand. My Hello, drug, John. My drug is thinking about money uh-huh. that gets me high and it's disgusting obsessing about money uh fantasizing about it occasionally it causes my adrenaline to get going and it makes me high and i hate it okay let, let's talk about it a little bit okay you're not talking about a feeling you're talking about a a, a kind of a focus a thought you know it it's, yeah it's a thought now so you're looking at when you think about money yes what do you think about investing in the market no, what I can do with it and transferring it around, and it's I'm creative and visual, so I have these visual images, and I almost have to catch myself. It's like uh, it goes down this path, and it makes it gets me adrenaline rushed, and I get high from this. And John, I can you it. give me an example of it? Can you give me an example of of the thought process that you would go through? Because I can't imagine how you could think about money. Teach, show me. Okay. You think about about money exchanges, about... About acquiring it and how it would happen and details of transferring it to an account and what I could do with it and buy with it. And then it's, uh, it's, I, it's, it's ridiculous and, and it's kind of a habit I'm trying to get away from. Are you, are you successful at doing this or is it something... No, not yet. But, uh, so your thought is about the acquisition of money. And how you could get it, and then how once you get it, how you could move it around to make it work for you, so that you don't feel as as powerless as you do in life. That's a good one. Yeah, it's a good one because what you're talking about is you're saying there's a sense of vulnerability. That you, John, have a sense of vulnerability, and there's a man here who's on the phone with me. You, yeah. and you feel like uh, life is scary. But you want to get some power in life. And I'd like to escape. And, and one of the powers, the ability to escape, would be to have the right finances, to have the right amount of money. That's the answer. If you had money, then you wouldn't have to be so scared. Now, you don't feel the fear itself. You feel instead the obsession, which is what a lot of people do. You feel the solution. What you don't know is what's underneath it is a basic fear. And then now what that fear is, if you identify it, you say, yeah, it's a fear of being broke, of not being able to move. No, it goes even further back than that. I bet it goes back to when you were a kid. Can you tell me about being frightened as a child? Uh, Tell me the first thing you remember of being scared and being five years old. Five. What pops into your mind? 
school, maybe. But Tell me about being afraid in school. I don't think I was afraid. I had to walk. It was short. I don't think that was a problem. And how did you have to walk from your, from your house to your school, and that wasn't a problem? How about in your house? Yeah. Were you afraid of anybody? Maybe. Everyone. I was the youngest. You were the youngest of how many kids? Two. Youngest of two? You mean you, were the, you had one older brother, older sister? Yes. Which one? Two older sisters. Two older sisters. How did they treat you? One well, one poorly. The one who treated you poorly, did she torture you, John? Kind of, I guess. Were you ever afraid of her? N no. Um, <clears throat> no. Did your parents protect you? No. Well, how come your parents didn't protect you, John? They were consumed with issues of the other child, and their, they were both professionals and out of the house and I was kind of like the the remaining one and I even grew up outside mostly on the street which is funny because being middle class you wouldn't expect that to happen. No, so you grew up on the street so you've never been safe a day in your life. <laughs> you've never been safe. Well... If you think about it, you're growing up in the streets, your parents, and what are your parents doing as professionals? They're obsessed with money. Yes, that's a good point. And they have an obsession with money, and you're a kid who is completely unsafe. So this kid says, how am I going to possibly ever find peace? I'll think about money. I'll obsess about money. Clearly the source, John. Clear this source. The question is, how do we get you to discover the safety that you needed as a child? That's the question. The question is not the solution. The solution is obsessing about money. But what happens when you give up thinking about money is you're going to start getting scared. And you're going to start feeling some of the fear that you should have felt when you were, that not should have, but did feel as a child, but you buried away. So it's a big challenge. I got beat up in the streets a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I was little. Yeah, as well. So there was no safety. No, that's true. I can remember some severe beatings out in the streets. Jeezy, John, I wish I had been there. Well? You know, I, I wish I had been there seeing you getting beaten up in the street. I would have somehow said, hey, kid, you know, this isn't right. Yeah. I had a cousin who helped me once. It was really good because he taught me how to fight. Mm-hmm. So, and unfortunately, he recently passed away. But uh, I, uh, it was great to have somebody, uh, especially a male, to help me figure out a fighting stance, which helped me in elementary school tremendously. So that was a nice point. Well, you know, I tell you, John, we're going to have to be going soon, but you do need a man to help you develop a fighting stance. But this time, it's a different fighting stance. It's not one with your fists. You got to face some of these old demons because they're coming up and they're beginning to bite you in the butt. This obsession about money, this thinking about it all the time, it makes sense. But it's not the place we have to go to get you to feel safe. Because you're one of those guys with no matter how much money you had, it would just continue to build and build and build and you'd have to have more. So, you know, send me an email someday and we'll maybe go into this a little further. It's been a pleasure talking to you, John, and thanks for taking the trip with me.
sure. Fantastic. Hmm. Wow. It's a good journey. 212-957-2729. We're taking you calls. Linda, you were going to say? Yes, Armand. I think that it becomes it, it becomes obvious to us all how feelings can oftentimes so interfere and bring us to places that we make decisions and choices and um, that are based upon those unresolved kinds of feelings that we didn't weren't able to identify as a child. And I think um, thank you. That's really it. Let's take another call, Eric Oliver. Hi, this is Armand DeMille. Hello? Yes, hi there. Oh, hi. Uh, I remember meeting you back when I was 13 in 1993. And, uh, well, I've been out of the country for some time, living in China, teaching, and uh, recently have my own radio show as well, but it's on, online. And it's talking about all these things you're talking about, uh, intuition. Uh, Eric, skills. we met when you were 13. How old are you now? 34 this year. 30 what? 34. 34, so we met 20 years ago. Pretty much, yeah. Great, and what was your name at that time? Same thing, Eric Oliva. <laughs> Oliva, I remember the Oliva name, great. You came in with, you didn't come in alone, you came in with somebody. My what? mother. Sure, sure. Oh, how sweet that is. <laughs> so now you're a teacher in China with a radio show? I have a radio show that's uh, based out here in uh, the United States, but it's online called Time of Radio, and... Uh, talk about things that you're talking about, and we all even spoke, speak on uh, things on cultivation, sense, and meditation, and how to control the quote-unquote monkey mind, or even just uh, let the discriminating mind cease over, you know, consistent practice of meditation and concentration. Well, Eric, you, you bring up a good point. Could you describe monkey mind to uh, people? We would call that uh, discriminating mind, or that which jumps from any type of, uh, any type of Anything that brings your attention or grasps your attention, it's kind of like this. You have the six senses, which will include the mind in there, and anything that touches on your likeness, anything that you like, anything that you find uh, enjoyable or even that you dislike at all, it grabs your attention. You run to that area. You run to that aspect. We'll call that the monkey mind. It just goes all over the place, chasing our emotions, feelings, thoughts, sensations, uh, stuff like that. So when you have a monkey mind, right, which is, is in, in Buddhism, it's kind of a pejorative to have a monkey mind. You shouldn't have a monkey mind because a monkey mind will lead you astray. It'll lead you towards what you just made clear, something that pleases you. Right. So even your monkey mind could even move you towards conflict if conflict pleases you. Yes, yes. And it's usually an addictive sense. Um, by uh, thinking, uh, oh, the worst is going to happen or what's going to happen tomorrow, whether it's good or bad. That can take away from your energy, can take away from your, your mind. It just basically takes away your focus of uh, that which is not pulling you in millions of directions. Eric, what's the website? It's called Time Monk Radio. Time Monk? Yes, Time Monk Radio Network. T-I-M-E-M-O-N-K? Sir, and uh, if anyone Google's it, they can definitely find it up there. And my my show is called Expedient Means. Great! What a wonderful thing from twenty years ago to now. <laughs> Eric Oliver and and Julian's uh, you say something in Chinese, Julian. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. Ni hao ma. 
，我学习呃中文呃在呃纽约大学。哎，是吗？我是自己学中文。<laughs> <laughs> This is terrific. So you got to have him on your radio program as soon as he can do. He's studying Chinese. Actually, my, That's what I said. <laughs> my name on Joe. I go by a Chinese name for the last fifteen years because all my students basically were Chinese. So, especially that I live in China, so going by a Chinese name is more convenient.、Um, it's a L I N Lin Lin Ai Wei. So, if anyone、uh, you know finds、uh, the show and sees the Chinese name with some white guy's face on it, that's me. <laughs> my Chinese name is actually Julian. Julian. That's, that's my Chinese name. Believe it or not. Okay. Well, thanks for calling in. Thank you, Eric. Thank nice、you. to、Have、talk a- to you again.、Hey. Yeah, twenty years ago, I wasn't even born yet. Twenty years ago, I was one. If I knew I was going to live this long, I would have flossed. Two one two one two nine five seven two seven two nine. It's remarkable. Hi there,、uh, Paula. Hi.、Uh, right now, I'm feeling a gripping pain in my intestines. Wow. It.、Mm, where is it? Where? 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 A gripping pain in your intestines, like in your lower、yeah. bowel? Is it? it is yeah, it, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that's what I hear. Earlier today,、um, I heard the news that Pete Seeger died. And yeah, Pete Seeger died. When I died thought、today. of his widow, I started to cry, and it brought back all my feelings of bereavement. Bereavement for things that you lost. Yeah, my husband. Yeah. So. Your husband died when?、Mm, seven years ago. Oh, I'm so sorry. Was that sudden? Is it something that you understood and expected? No, no. He was only fifty-four. How did he die? Heart attack. A massive heart attack. Suddenly.、Uh, Pollen. P a l l a Paula, P a u l a, Paula. Yeah. So, so when you say this gripping pain in your stomach, that means your abdomen is holding on.、Uh-huh. It's not just feeling it, right? So there's a pain that you feel, but it's、yeah. one that you're holding back. Yeah. If you weren't holding it back, there would be a sound. Yeah, a rude noise. <laughs> If it's coming from the intestines, yeah, not necessarily a rude noise because it's also coming from your heart. At the same time, you know, both. Do you have a pillow nearby? Would I have a what nearby? A pillow. Yes. Pick up the pillow. Okay. Put the pillow against your mouth, and I want you to make a loud sound into the pillow. Oh no, I can't. I'm at work. Oh, you can't. Here's a sound. <laughs> That's a good sound. Did that do? <laughs> you're feeling better already. You just released it. That was terrific. Okay. Yeah, I'm sorry about your loss, Paulette. Sorry about your loss. Sorry it comes back up. But the fact that you're showing us that when you Pete Seeger died, it brought back feelings that you have not yet completely dealt with, and it means that there's a little more yet to go through with this.、Mm. You know. Mm-hmm. And so, if it's still gripping at your insides, you got to go through some additional stuff that you haven't gone through yet. But I mean, it'll take; it'll happen over time.、Mm-hmm. But if you want it to happen sooner, 
just send me an email and I'll I'll help you through it. I've uh, oh sure okay. Thanks for calling in, Brian. Stephanie still work for you? Yes, she's still here. Yeah, because she helped me. Yeah, well, she would probably be helped to you again in going through this. Mm-hmm. She's here. Okay, thanks. Sure. It makes sense that when a feeling hurts so much, you keep it down. Because you, you'll be so vulnerable if you let yourself feel it. So let's say you feel you feel this kind of sadness. It makes you feel so vulnerable, you know? But on the same hand, there's nothing that tells you it's safe to show this feeling. So you repress it, so you push it down, as most people do. It makes sense. Until you get to a place in life where you feel safe enough to allow yourself to feel whatever you feel, whenever you feel it, identify it, and go through it without having it dominate your life. Let's take another call. David, you're on the air. This is Armand DeMille. Yes, I'm just um, always angry. I want to talk about anger for a while. Yeah, sure. I always feel every, everything I'm angry about, I'm always justified for it, you know? Yeah. So you, you have a reason to be angry all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And you know better than that, right? You know on some level that this anger is just like a like a habit, like an addiction. Because you know it really, no matter how many things you're angry about, none of them really make sense. No, I have to be angry. You have to because, be. Because the day won't feel right. I couldn't walk the street if I wasn't at least angry about something that happened when I woke up or what I'm about to deal with as I'm walking down the street and handle yeah. things, you know? I really understand. You know, David, you've been like this all your life, huh? No, not all my life. About 13 years now. And and what happened 13 years ago? Something that shouldn't have happened. I lost my father. That's I right. lost the job. Yeah. That's about it. That's when well, that's started. pretty big stuff. When you lost your father, that's it. Again, no longer safe in the world. Then you lose your job too, right? No, I always felt safe in the world. Yeah, but you only feel safe. Without losing my father, yeah, you feel- it shouldn't have happened. You know, it was an accident. Yeah, he died from an accident? Your father died by accident? Yeah, it was an accident. Yeah. It shouldn't have happened. But it made you feel even angry. I mean, you put up this shield, and this shield is your protection. And I'll tell you what your shield does for you, David. You ready for this? Your shield does more than just keep you strong. It keeps you connected to your father. Because you don't want to give him up. Now, how was your father when he came to being angry? What was he like? Just like me. Just like you, or you're just like him. So you and dad are walking down the street together, not just you alone. It's you and dad still together, which I fully understand. It's your way of staying connected to him. And one day, as you deal with the grief of having lost him, you'll eventually separate with him and you'll be able to back off from that anger. In the meantime, this is your way of staying staying connected, which I fully understand. You know, when's the last time you got a hug from a man? My birthday last year. What what day was that? 
what day was it? Yeah, what day? Friday. Friday, Friday afternoon. Of what day? What what what's your birthday? Give me a date. Yes, three twenty two. Three twenty I knew it's coming up. Your birthday's coming up, right? Yeah. Huh. Would you stop by my studio? Where's the studio? Up on fifty seventh Street. All right. Sometime between now and three twenty two. Call this place and say, I'm David. I'm coming up there. Come up here as angry as you want to be. I just want to hug you for our mutual birthdays because my birthday and your birthday are very close together. Take three minutes of our time. Oh, yeah, Arian, too? Yep. All no, right. I'm, a, I'm a Pisces. Okay. Actually, I think 22 is on the cusp. If there's even a such thing as a cusp, you know? Whatever a cusp is. 22 yeah. is supposed to be something like that. So I'm, I'm, I got some half of you and half of Aries. So. David, look forward to seeing you. I hope you get up here during that time. Just call, remind me, because uh, it'll be a wonderful thing. We put a lot to rest. What's the exact address on 57? Well, give me take a look up at thepositivemind.com. You'll see all the information, okay? All right. W-A-B-I, all right. right? Yeah, and you know something right now? You don't sound as angry right this minute. No, I'm surprised I got through because I've been calling for the last 20 minutes and I was about to be, you know, about to quit because I was talking to get angry about that because the line was busy. <laughs> but everybody's got problems. So why not share the line, right? You're a softer man. Thanks for calling in, David. Thank you. Sure. Tough men. Men get so tough. You know, anger is such a good defense. It's such a way, such a shield of protecting yourself. Let's take another call. This is Armand DeMille. Hold on a second. We got time. We're going to take this right off. Hi there. This is Armand DeMille. You're on the air. Hi, Armand. This is Diane in New Jersey. Hello, Diane. I am um, just turning the radios off. Turn yeah. the radios off, yes. I am. Um, Diane. Here we go. Sorry. Um, I've had a feeling of desperation that uh, has led me to do some things that I'm ashamed of. I've been, uh, and desperation, I guess, is fear and anxiety, but um, somehow there's anger in it, and I was just wondering. Good, so you got to all. You have a feeling. Good, so like don't I, wait. I don't realize it at the time, and what can I do to realize it sooner Good, so and just feel it instead of acting on it? Because you're identifying, as you just did, a feeling of desperation will have sadness, madness, gladness, badness, and scaredness all mixed into it. <laughs> See, it's all mixed in. So the identity is when you feel yourself filled with, especially the anxiety part, when you get nervous, that's where at this time you ask yourself the questions. What percentage sad, mad, glad, bad, scared? And you identify those feelings, and just by the identification itself, you'll find it diffuses it. It takes it off. You don't have to act on it. Also, even asking this very question right now means that you're going to be a little more free in the future because you don't want to act on it anymore. I to remember to ask myself that. Is there some sort of little... I can give myself something I could carry around, something to remember, mm. uh, to be present. It's a good question. Think about it yourself. What is it that's something that you could do as a clue to remind yourself to be present? How about a special bracelet? 
Okay. And what would it be made of? Actually, I got a necklace that matches a bracelet for Christmas and very special to me. It's uh, silver and it's blue and white stones. Let that be your clue. Let that be your clue for a month. Give me a call back in a month. Thank you. My pleasure. Bye-bye, Diane. Thank you very much. We're going to have to be going, my friends. Unfortunately, we've run a little bit over. Uh, this is Armand DeMille. If you want to send me an email, you can send it to Armand at thepositivemind.com, A-R-M-A-N-D, at thepositivemind.com, or go to the website, thepositivemind.com. We will be back with you tomorrow at 1 p.m. My friend, special thank Linda Vanella, Julian Joyello, fabulous people.